Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Going to talk about a subject I've spent many a year talking to people about. And we're going to talk about having a budget. And today's topic is called Budget or Busted. And so I can honestly say in the last 22 years that every time I've taken the stage and presented to millions and millions of people all over the world, I've always had them write written goals and have a section set up in our presentations and live events for that. Many different types and styles of goal setting, probably over 40 over the years. But I've also tend to always talk about finances and especially about getting your financial house in order. And this is something that the goal setting transformed me, personal growth transformed me, and getting my financial house in order certainly transformed me. You know, it's interesting. I used to tell people all the time, you know, I was just as good to listen to when I was a house painter, but nobody really wanted to listen to me that much. And you probably wouldn't be tuning into this podcast today if I hadn't become very successful in not only business, but economically. And so one of the ways to get there is to have a budget and get your finances under control. So we're going to talk about this one element. Obviously, we need to to create revenue. We need to generate revenue. We need to have a chance to grow revenue. We need a chance to invest revenue. But none of that really matters if there's a hole in the bucket, dear Eliza. And so we have to do that. We have to fix the hole in the bucket. And you need to understand that there is no amount of money you will ever create in your life that will be enough not to budget. People say, you know, oh, I'd love to never have to worry about money again. Well, there's a difference between having anxiety over money, which is what most people have, and not worrying about money. Because when I hear the word not worrying about money, it means I don't have to pay attention to it. You know, Bill Gates, you know, for 17 of the last 25 years has been the richest man in the world. But do you know that Bill Gates has a budget? He's a neighbor of mine. He has a house in San Diego where I live. And his daughter has a horse riding facility right across the street. But Bill Gates has a budget. You know, for example, even though he had a commitment to give away over $50 billion, and by the way, his friend Warren Buffett gave him a third of that, he said, I don't have enough money to solve all the problems I want to solve. So I have to go and target the ones that I can afford to target. So Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is a fabulous organization, decided to take on malaria which is the second largest killer in the continent of Africa. And he said, we're going to eradicate malaria. I think we have the money and the resources and the people that could do that over the next 20 years. But he couldn't take on AIDS. He couldn't take on other things he was very passionate about because they were too big of a problem. He'd have gone broke trying to fix those problems. And that's what I'm trying to share with you, is that people walk around with this fantasy land. If I win the lottery, then I'll be good. No, we know the numbers. 87% of the people who win the lottery file bankruptcy or are economically worse off within five years. Are they stupid? Are they morons? No. No, they just didn't have the economic structures in place. The old scriptures say you have to be faithful with the little to be given much. If you can't take care of a hundred bucks, you can't take care of a thousand. In fact, exactly how you take care of a hundred is the way you'll take care of a thousand. And if you can't take care of a thousand, you can't take care of ten thousand. And if you can't take care of ten, you can't take care of a hundred grand. And if you can't take care of a hundred grand, you can't take care of a million. And that's a fact. Our company's been coaching people for 22 years, and here's one of the dynamics. We won't coach a small business owner who won't have a budget because we will not have our name associated with someone who's guaranteed to fail. 
Now, we don't, you know, mandate it. Someone's got to have it in the first 30 days. We work with them and work with them until they get through it. But people struggle in this area. They struggle with the very word budget, okay? In fact, most of you Americans even pronounce it wrong. But a budget is an estimate of income and expenditure for a set period of time. Very important definition. Because your budget will always change as your life changes. When you have kids, you better believe your budget changes. You move house, you better believe your budget changes. Kids go to college, your budget changes. Kids leave home, go to work, come back home. Your budget changes. All the kids are out of the house, you're an empty nest. Your budget changes. Yeah, hey, your budget changes. So your life changes and your budget changes. And that's why it's not a fixed, hard thing. Now, I'm going to say this. I've used the word probably 30 times already on this podcast. And many of you are right on the cusp of tuning out because you hate the word. The word budget is like a swear word almost. And the reason being is that all of us have an emotional relationship with money. And when you hear the word budget, for many people, it feels like being controlled. And again, we can get in at some point in time to the whole relationship with money dynamic. And maybe one parent was a spender and one was a grinder on the money and so on and so forth. And who you're more like and who are you influenced by and those kinds of things. But we all have a relationship with money, an emotional relationship. And the word budget feels like you're being controlled, feels like you're being constricted. If you're in a, an economic partnership uh, with a spouse or partner, you feel like one person has the upper hand and one person doesn't. One person's being practical and one person's being impractical. And by the way, a lot of those times are myths. In your typical stereotype marriage, you have the woman spends the money and the man gripes about it. But the facts don't bear that out. Women write typically an awful lot more checks, especially for the household items. But traditionally, men spend less checks. But when they do spend a check, it tends to be much larger. So he'll gripe about this and about that and the new set of dishes or the table linens or purchased or whatever else. And then he'll come home with a new truck or a new driver from Callaway or whatever else. So the stats are in. So the real deal is getting on the same page. 59% of Americans do not budget. That means that 6 out of 10 Americans are already in dire financial trouble. Dire financial trouble. You're flying a small airplane and you can't read the instruments. You're in trouble. You're driving your car at night and you have no headlights. You have no visibility. You're in trouble. 60% of Americans, when it comes to money, are in trouble because they don't have the basic mechanism that's designed to give you freedom. And that's what I want you to hear. If you hate the word budget, I want you to translate every time I say it with the word spending plan. Spending plan. People who hate budgets love spending. And so this is just a plan for your spending. I want you to be able to spend money fearlessly. I want you to enjoy spending. Spending money is fun. There's actually a chemical release in your body when you buy things. And so spending money is a cool thing. I want to put the joy back into your spending. No question about it. And so that's where you want to go. That's where you want to spend your time is in getting control of your money. Look, there's rules of the road. As long as everybody obeys the rules of the road, there's no chaos. We have dotted lines. We have traffic signals. When you come to a faraway stop, what if it's like, you know, back in the chariot days, right? And it's like Ben-Hur. And you come to a faraway stop and there's no rules. And it's just strap it on and go for it. Car crashes all over the place. Whatever speed limit you want, do whatever you want. Don't need to signal, don't need to turn, don't turn on a red, do turn on... Just go whenever you want to go. Chaos. 
chaos. There's rules of the road, there's laws of the land, and they are established. The goal of them is to provide peace and security. A budget is supposed to provide peace and security. If you want more peace of mind, if you want more security in your living, if you want more freedom, then we have a budget. I hope I'm as clear as I can be. A couple of funnies on this and a couple of insights on this. Dave Ramsey, who's obviously great on this, he has a fantastic book. If you're really up the creek financially, he has a book called Total Money Makeover I recommend to my clients. Ramsey says a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. The great Errol Flynn, the famous actor, said, my problem lies in reconciling my gross habits with my net income. He was the highest paid actor in Hollywood and he filed bankruptcy. So let's get into it today. We're going to talk about why people don't budget. And the first reason is they don't have a specific goal or a plan. So what's your financial goal? What are you trying to achieve? See, most people just, there's this feeling you get when you buy stuff and that feeling is what's driving everything. Just like, for example, there's the same feeling when you eat sugar or I feel like pizza, I feel like lasagna, I feel like chocolate cake, I feel like a mocha froca cappuccino, you know, whatever. is. I feel like it. Well, if we always make food decisions based on our feelings, do I have to describe where we're going? Okay? We're going to a bad place. So I find that I make really good eating decisions when I plan ahead. When I plan ahead. When the meals are laid out. When I know what's happening. When I come to work here, my staff prepares my meals for the day. And they're all set up. And you know what? I'm eating good, losing weight, feeling good, more energy, because the meals are planned ahead. If I don't, and I wait till I'm really tired, burnt out, and then I eat, well, japers, I'm going to eat the first thing that comes along. I'm going to eat like I'm going to the electric chair. So I don't feel that anymore. Why? Because I've planned ahead. And so we want to have a specific goal. Zig Ziglar used to say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So what's your economic goal? And it should be now, soon, later. Short-term, mid-range, long-term. When I teach goal-setting, I go 10 days, 10 months, 5 years. You should have a 10-day goal for your finances. Things you're going to do in the next 10 days. Maybe I'm only going to get coffee out 3 days a week instead of 7. Or I'm going to go once a week instead of twice. I'm going to pack my lunch 3 days a week instead of 10. You know what? You know, we had the guys in the other day. We have a particular satellite network. I pay a lot of money for it, yada, yada, yada. Having all these problems. Twice they didn't show up for a four-hour window. Bev and I sat down the other night, looked at it. Great. We just traded in our $300 a month TV dish for a $30 a month service that we watch what we want to watch when we watch it. You know what? I'm a multimillionaire. I just saved $270 a month. That's a win. So what's your plan? What's your goal? The next thing is people don't have a system or they have very little know-how, okay? Now, again, how are you with money? I'm great. How are you? Fine. George Washington University just did a study of millennials. And again, I'm not picking on millennials because your parents are worse at this than you are. But 69% of millennials surveyed rated their financial knowledge as very high. Of course. Hashtag great. According to the National Endowment for Financial Education, only 24% of millennials surveyed demonstrate even the most basic financial literacy. So according to the National Endowment for Financial Education, 76% of millennials, okay, almost 90 million people in this country alone, are financially illiterate, can't read or write when it comes to money. So 
Norman Vincent Peale 50 years ago said, plan your work and work your plan. Lack of a system produces that I'm swamped feeling. What is I'm swamped feeling with money? Either overwhelmed or this phrase, I don't know where it all goes. If you don't know where it all goes, that's what a child would say. Now, I know this is kind of big boy talk here today, but if I give money to a six-year-old and they spend it, where'd it go? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I know 36, 46, 56, and 66-year-olds who say the same thing, and here's the problem. The consequences are enormous. The number one topic that leads to divorce is financial disagreements. And the reason being, there's no way to avoid it. There's no way to avoid it. So you have to have a plan. Peter Drucker, the great business guru, said, what gets measured gets managed. Okay? And so we have to really focus on it. The last reason why people don't budget is we all tend to have this insatiable appetite for spending. Spending is fun. Spending is supposed to be fun. Okay? Spending is an awesome thing. And like I say, it produces a chemical in our bodies. There's an old Swedish proverb that says, he who buys what he does not need steals from himself. Warren Buffett said this. Now, this is a great mindset piece, right? Mindset motivation methodologies. He said, do not save what's left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. Now, in that simple statement, a man who has been the richest man in the world for many decades is giving you the formula. So I'm saving this amount no matter what. And then whatever's left over, that's what I spend. That's the deal. That's the secret to success. We have to understand. The budget is good, but it doesn't just do everything. And we're going to talk about some resources and tools here in a minute. A budget tells us what we can't afford, but it doesn't stop us from buying it. So it's very, very important. You can have a budget. And you go, oh, I use QuickBooks. QuickBooks will tell you how you went bankrupt. Okay? It'll tell you, okay, here's on your road to bankruptcy, here's where you spent the money. Because you're looking in a rearview mirror to see what you spent your money on. I'm going to share with you some apps today that can help you at the point of decision. So why don't people budget? Well, we know there's all kinds of emotional baggage there and issues we need to wrestle through. But ultimately, the budget is freedom. So we don't have a goal or a plan. We don't have a system or the know-how. And we have this insatiable appetite for spending. So we're going to get down onto the solution side of this today. There's happiness coming, okay? But we got to go through the tunnel. My favorite movie, Shawshank Redemption, the guy had to crawl through a, a sewage tunnel for 500 yards to ultimately get to Sewantaneo, living on the beach, working on a boat, taking his guests out. So, in controlling your spending, here's a mindset piece. Many people try to solve their financial problems by focusing on making more money. Many people try to solve their financial problems by focusing on making more money. Now, Obviously, I help people make a lot more money. The numbers came out like for our real estate clientele. Now, we have 47 different types of businesses we coach and train today. But our main block is and always will be focused on real estate. And so the National Association of Realtors just came out with the average income of $29,400. million three people in real estate. That's the average income before expenses. Our average client last year, and we have 21,000 people who are members, made 360000 so 29,000 versus 360. If you think about financially, these people are in totally different spaces in life. They have totally different worries, totally different stressors. You know, that's where I want to go. I want to improve the quality of your problems. That's what I want to do. But you have to really get on the control side. You shore up before you build up, right? So unless you control your spending, making more money won't help. You'll just end up with bigger payments. That's Dave Ramsey. That's why people end up in bankruptcy. Charles Jaff said, it's not your salary that makes you rich, it's your spending habits. 
let me tell you a story. A few years ago, I attended a funeral of a 92-year-old man in San Francisco. He was a little Italian immigrant, beautiful guy, left a rich legacy of family, four generations, fantastic guy, loved his wife, married for 70 years, you know, dozens of grandkids. It was a fantastic experience relationally. But also, he was a janitor. He was a janitor for the San Francisco school system. His highest paid salary year was $27,000. In passing, his grandson, who's a financial advisor, said, oh yeah, Gramps left an estate worth $9.2 million. Long pregnant pause. $27,000 in income, $9.2 million net worth. How does that happen? How does that happen? I can guarantee how it happened. Now, I know the details, but I, I knew what happened before anybody told me. The first principle is the man spent less than he made. The second thing is he took the surplus and invested it. And in his case, he's a handyman, he's a janitor. He bought little pieces of real estate in downtown San Francisco. And he maintained it and he managed it and he parlayed the little property into a bigger property and the bigger property into an apartment building and two apartment buildings. And eventually those apartment buildings were worth a fortune over a long period of time. He owned them free and clear. Listen to the podcast on how to get the mortgage monkey off your back. And so the bottom line is, I know he spent less than he made. And that's what he did. He drove around a little old white truck. He had a little white truck. Guy was worth $9 million. He didn't have a Tesla. He drove a little old white truck. Okay? The thing was 20-some years old, and he'd tinker around it and so on and so forth. Multi, multi-millionaire. For 17 years, I flew around the country on a Learjet. Okay, I've had three different Learjets. And it's a great way to travel. It allowed me to be a dad, husband, coach to my kids, a CEO to my company. So I would travel, do a seminar in Houston, be home for dinner with the family, coach a ball game, and then be up the next morning to go work on the business with my executive team. And I did that for years. Now, once I stopped doing all the traveling I was doing, all the seminars I did, I sold it. And my staffing, because I used to treat my staff all the time, and we take rides in it all the time to work and all these different conferences. And, you know, every trip I took people who'd never been on a private jet before. When I sold it, people were like, oh, do you miss it? Oh, my God. Not for a day. It was no longer of any practical use. It was a budgeted item, and then it wasn't. Now it goes from being a budgeted item that made sense because it bought me my time to an extraordinary luxury. It was gone the next day. I was happy it was gone because I still live by those same principles. So it doesn't matter if it's a little white truck or a Learjet. It doesn't matter if it's malaria versus AIDS. You have to make the decisions to spend less than you make. And that's the only way you're going to have financial freedom. So how do you do this? Well, you prioritize your expenses. So the big tips on this is you make a list of all your fixed expenses. Now, these are the needs you can do nothing about. That's needs you can do nothing about. Your rent, your mortgage payment your car payments, you know, your current electricity bills. That You're paying those. Then you make a list of your irregular expenses. These are needs you can do something about. And then everything else are what we call wants or discretionary spending. And so just like we teach people to ABC their clients to work by referral, we teach folks to ABC their expenses. Now, there's a whole long list of this and whatever else. And what I realized here is sometimes some of the training I want to do or teaching I want to do on this podcast is very technical and it's visual based. And it's very difficult to do over the podcast medium. So there's lots of resources we have to help people with this. And so we're going to make them available to the Insiders Club. 
And I realise, two years into this, I really haven't talked much about this. Forgive me for a second, because I want to just kind of share with you guys about a whole series of resources you might not be aware of. We built this Insiders Club because it's very similar to how our company works. You know, I've presented to over 3 million people, but I have 21,000 members of Buffini Company. And these are the people we build a relationship with. These are the people, I know them, they know our company, we know each other. We tailor make our programs, we tailor make our content for them. Because they're the folks who are saying, hey, I really want to have a relationship with you. And so it's kind of like in the airline business, having the first class passengers and you know what they eat and what their preferences are and all that kind of good stuff. And so we have with this podcast, you may not be aware of something called the Insiders Club. And so... And we have all kinds of cool resources we make available for the insiders. And in this next season here, we're going to be adding even more value to that because this Insiders Club's really grown. And so what it is, is basically, it's, it's, if you like listening to podcasts, it's great. And you just tune in once in a while or whenever. Fantastic. I hope it always blesses you. And I hope it'll continue to encourage you for as long as you choose to listen to it. But for those who are looking to go a little bit deeper and, and get a little bit more, we've developed this Insiders Club. You go to thebrianbuffinishow.com and you'll see where you can click on the Insiders Club. And all it is, it's basically your contact info. And once a month, once in a while, we're going to send out additional content. The Insiders will get a chance to ask questions. They'll submit their questions and so on and so forth. And we'll actually do a special episode just for the Insiders where my team will reach out and I'll actually do live interactive phone calls to answer your questions. I'm going to do an investment podcast in the future. The insiders are going to get a chance to ask me specific questions about investments, and so we'll follow up that way. So that's kind of the way it is. And so we're not to pitch you a hundred things. It's always about, in our business, we've always prioritized our funnel by relationship. So it's really those that want to be in a deeper relationship with me and our organization. We have all kinds of resources for you. And David Lally, who I call Dr. Goodies, he's got all these goodies to give away. He'll be following up on a lot of these podcasts to share with you kind of the goodies we have. And one of the goodies we have is this whole process of how to ABC your expenses, the fixed expenses, the irregular expenses, and the discretionary spending, so that you actually know, okay, here's a list of what we see as the fixed. These are the things you can do something about, and these are just wants, and we need to prioritize those, okay? So anyhow, I know I went on a bit of a rant there, but I realize I haven't done a very good job of communicating that to you, and many of you probably want to avail of these bonus episodes and this bonus resource and i haven't mentioned it to you so now i have and and i'll mention it from time to time love to have you as part of the insiders club you guys are going to help shape the content you guys are going to basically give us the feedback to say here's what we want you to teach on here's what i want more of and so on and so forth anyhow what i want to share with you as you prioritize your expenses the second point in this is to let tech be your friend it is so much easier today to do budgeting and take financial control Then when I first started teaching people this stuff, because it used to be literally pen and paper, get it all out, and it was a bit of an IRS audit almost. And now it's just not. And so there are so many cool apps available. And so what's beautiful about today's tech is that you can get very personalized. So I'm going to give you the top apps to help you control your finances. And they're actually almost prioritized based on your personality or situation. So for example, the best overall rated app is Mint, right? So you go to mint.com, M-I-N-T dot com. So that's the first one. The best app to keep from overspending, if that's really something you do all the time, is called Pocket Guard. The best app for type A personalities, okay, wrapped a little tight like myself, is called You Need a Budget, right? Isn't that that fantastic, right? So that's type A people are a little more pragmatic, a little more bottom line, and the app's called You Need a Budget, right? 
It might as well be called shut up and stop spending money, right? But it's called you need a budget. The fourth one is best for just budgeting itself is called Wally. Okay. Next is the best for cash style budgeting, and I like this as well. Is called Envelope. So it's M V E L O P E S. Best for couples is called Good Budget. Best app tied to a bank account is called Simple. And the best app for investors, and I really like this, is called Personal Capital. So I know I just went through that. You might be driving. You might be jogging. We're going to post this on our show notes at thebrianbuffinishow.com. And so you have your 10 there. Away you go. So I want to really give you the tools. Again, let tech be your friend. right? Josh Billing said, time is like money. The less we have it to spare, the further we make it go. Control that money. My favorite comedian growing up as a kid was Groucho Marx. And he goes, a thief broke into my house last night. He started searching for money, so I woke up and searched with him, right? <laughs> Let me know. So we want to get into it. We know that prevention is better than cure, so control your spending. And then the last piece is uh, don't solve your money problems by just trying to create more money, okay? You got to make sure that you just work on it, work your business. Certainly you want to grow your revenue. Certainly you want to do those kinds of things. But don't just focus on earning more dough. You've got to make sure that it goes further. A guy that makes 27 grand a year has a net worth of 9.2 million. He never solved his income problem. Okay? But he certainly solved his net worth problem. He died a rich man in both personality, relationship, and finances. That to me is he lived a good life, you know? The last thing I want to get you into is the fun part of this, which is creating a surplus. And there's nothing like it. A surplus is a beautiful thing. The way to get there is what I call the 70-10-10-10 formula, okay? First taught to me by the great Jim Rohn. And that is you learn to live on 70% of what you make, you save 10%, you invest 10%, and you give 10% away. And that's a great way to go. So 70% you live on, 10% you save, and you make that automatic. So you make that an automatic payment, right? So that's the first thing that comes out. In my household, this is what we did 31 years ago. Now, let me give you a help with this. When I first did this formula, I added up how much I was spending. I was spending 106% of what I was making. That's a fact. And my first goal was to reduce it to 100%. How do you spend 106% of what you're making? What do you think? Control room, what do you guys think in there? Yeah, credit cards. America's a great country. They let you buy stuff you can't afford. Don't have any money, but you can buy a bed. Don't have any money, you can buy a car. And you can take it home. And then they go, no payments. Right? They say no payments. No payments for a year. And you can have it when? When can you have it? What's the word? You can have it right now. That's the fact of the matter. So America's a great country. Canada does it too. And the rest of the world's catching on to this. It's a great sales culture because you can have it now. Don't have to wait. Don't have to save. My first goal was to get to 100%. And then I'm going to tell you honestly, and my pastor might not like this and other people might not like this, but here was my first step. I got to 100%. I was spending as much as I was making. That was progress. The next thing I got to was 97,111. I was living on 97%. I was giving 1%. I was saving 1%. And I was investing 1%. Now, the truth is I was saving 2% and hoping to invest the 1% at one time because it wasn't even enough to do it. And over time... You know, I increased the percentages, reduced the expenses. So I, I did increase my income while I reduced my expenses. And I did, within a few years, get to 70, 10, 10, 10. Now, for the past, let's say, 15 years, my family and I probably live on about 30% of what I earn. Okay? And the giving is higher and the investing is higher. And so away you go. Now, if you're a young person living at home and you're working, 
or you work sporadically, the formula for you is 50-40-10. You get to spend 50% of what you make. You've got to save 40% and then give 10%. And that's because you're not paying rent yet, or you're not paying full rent or full mortgage. Okay? And so 70-10-10, beautiful process, beautiful way to go. Live, save, invest, give, and understand that you don't get there overnight. From a saving standpoint, Beverly and I started 31 years ago, $50 every two weeks. And from our checking account to our savings account on the third of the month and on the 17th of the month. That decision has been the number one reason I became a millionaire. Because over the years, all I've ever done is go from 50 to 100 every two weeks, from 100 to 200, and so on and so forth, and now more zeros. And that's all. But the formula was set up. I pay myself first. I pay myself. And the reason I did the 3rd and the 17th is my mortgage payments came out on the 4th and the 18th. And I wanted to declare to myself that we were making our payment to ourselves first. The richest man in Babylon says a portion of all you earn is, is yours to keep. Okay? And I've done a whole treatise on episode 97 where I read the key story from the richest man in Babylon. So if you haven't listened to that, make sure you listen to that episode 97 of uh, the Brian Buffini show. But a portion of all you earn is yours to keep, and here it is, you pay yourself first. You've always heard that. But most people, they pay their mortgage first. I would rather lose my house and keep my savings. Now today, okay, all the real estate's paid off, so it's real good. But the fact of the matter is that's not where it started. That's not where it started. I remember a story where I had a young man by the name of Alton Hitchcock who worked for me for about 15 years. And Alton, uh, we had moved into this house in uh, northern county, San Diego, up in the hills. Real nice house. And it was, it was a big move up for us economically. And we were in the house about six months. And one day Alton comes by. And it's an impressive looking house on the street and whatever else. But he's walking in. We're about to have a business meeting. We're walking down the hall to my office. And he walked by three rooms that had no furniture in them. There was just carpet. And he goes, is everything okay, boss? I go, yeah. And I go, what are you thinking? Now, this was a guy at the time that had heard me speak on budgeting for years and years and years and never take action on it. But it wasn't until that day that he physically saw what a budget looked like. I said, oh, yeah. We bought the house, moved in. I go, the real estate was the great deal. I said, we don't really furniture. Right now, the kids love it. We've got three tumble rooms. But I go, we'll buy the furniture from the earnings on the investments. We're not taking money we don't have. We're not going into debt to buy furniture. We're not borrowing money to buy furniture. And I'm not taking money away from our investments to go and buy furniture. We'll buy the furniture with the interest on the investments. Now, years later, years and years later, and I tell you this not to impress you and to stand up here. I never really talk about what I have, but I'm trying to give you guys a hope. Years later, my wife is having custom-made furniture for our second home in Hawaii, and it's being handmade. And I delighted in buying that furniture. You know why? Because my wife had made the commitment along with me to do without until we could do. And we didn't have furniture in our room in 1999. But in 2007, eight years later, short eight years. Okay? Doesn't seem short at the time. But eight years later, she's having handmade furniture built for her beach home in Hawaii. Why? Because we didn't steal the grain that we were supposed to plant. We didn't rob the golden goose of his food. The golden goose was our business. And so I know this is big stuff here today. I'm telling you, you can build a fortune. Life's hard by the yard, it's a cinch by the inch. You have to do things, though, that not everybody does. You have to live that counterculture lifestyle. Forbes said that 34% of uh, small business owners do not have a retirement savings plan. Okay? So basically, 
That means a third of all small business owners are living by their wits, hoping there's no downturn, and basically have no plan to ever move on or move out. And don't ever plan on getting old either, apparently. So just something to think about. George Clayson, he said, a portion of all you earn is yours to keep. So that's why we save it. And when the time is right, we invest it. When people come to me during bust years and they go, I lost it all. They don't have to finish the rest of the sentence. I know what it means. The reason you lose it all is they borrowed money to invest. Oh, the market was going up and up and up during the dot-com boom. People took equity loans out of their house, put it into the dot-coms. Dot-coms boom goes bust. Next thing you know, their house is upside down. Now they can't afford it. They lose their house and the stock. Why? Because they didn't invest their savings. When you grind it out, when you don't have furniture, when you don't go on the vacations, when you don't do the thing, you go on a weekend vacation instead of a 10-day vacation, when you make the sacrifices, when you get Netflix instead of cable, when you get homemade Folgers instead of the Starbucks, when you make those kind of decisions and you save up money, here's what I promise you, you will not quickly throw it at some scheme. You will not quickly throw it at some fly-by-night deal that's going to... You ground hard to get that money... By golly, you won't make a stupid decision with it. You just won't because it costs too much. I, again, I'm, I'm going on here today because I'm fired up about this particular subject. Let me tell you a story, right? And this is the great contrast. One of the things while I had the jet, and David Lally was always after me, he goes, Brian, why aren't you using the jet for personal use? Why aren't you flying around the world and doing this? I used it 99% of the time for business. Occasionally, I'd take it to go see my son play football in Texas when he was playing college football out there. So one night, I said, all right, Bev, I'll take you for dinner. In fact, uh, it was on her birthday. A friend of mine was, uh, he's one of the creators of Cirque du Soleil, and he had, they had a brand new show coming out, and I had two tickets to Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. So I pick up my bride, I, let's go to dinner, I get dressed up, the jet's waiting for us, we fly to Vegas, get picked up in a limo, we go to this restaurant called Aqua, just gorgeous five-star restaurant, we have a great meal. And from the time we finished the meal, we go to the casino where the Cirque du Soleil is shown. And there's an hour. And this is a true story. Now, we flew on a jet, limo, backstage passes to Cirque du Soleil, right? So, A-list stuff. I said, all right. Uh, we've never done this. Uh, here's a hundred bucks for you. Here's a hundred bucks for me. Let's go blow it on the slot machines. You want to know something? Now, I'm not saying this against anybody else. I just want you to know where we're at. We couldn't do it. We actually couldn't do it. And it was the years and years and years and years of budgeting and years and years. And the truth is, both of us would rather find a guy out on the street, a homeless guy, and give him $100. But what we couldn't do is bring ourselves to fritter it away. Couldn't. Because we'd been grinding for so hard. Now, what did we do? We went into a little corner coffee shop and did people watching in Vegas, which, by the way, that was worth the price of admission. I think that was better than... That was actually Cirque du Soleil, to be honest with you, watching the characters walking around Vegas. And I'm not saying if you go to Vegas, you back the horses, whatever, there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying that at all. Do it under a budget. I'm saying this. You develop these disciplines, you can develop these mindsets. It wasn't like we went to Las Vegas on the cheap. I don't know how many thousands of dollars the gas bill for the jet fuel was. The point I'm trying to say is it eventually, it's something you do and then it's something you are. And what you become is very conscious about your money. Okay. Creating a surplus. Here's a couple of tips. We're going to do the 70, 10, 10, 10. The next place we're going to invest, if you own a small business, the next place is to invest in your business. 
So many people, they spend the money when they make the money on their home life, on their lifestyle. Invest in your business. Your business is the golden goose. The golden goose needs to be invested in. Okay? When Buffini Company went through the recession, we had 400 plus employees. The real estate market fell and dropped by over 80% of its revenue. Our revenue dropped by 60%. What did I do? I used assets. I sold real estate in a down market, free and clear real estate, to take that money and put back into Buffini Company. Why? Because the business is the golden goose. Now, I made cuts at home. I invested in my business. So that's the deal. Your business needs to grow. Are you investing in marketing? Are you investing in yourself? Are you investing in coaching? Do you have a coach? I met with a young man yesterday who's uh, helping me out. He's a personal trainer. He's doing a great job for me and getting me get in shape. So I gave him an hour of my time and spent the time. He probably just cut two years off his business journey by spending an hour at lunch. Okay? Are you investing time and money and effort into people that can help you? Are you investing in your business? And rather than spend money on the Jimmy Choo shoes, could you take a client to dinner? Okay? That's the thing. Do enough client dinners, you can have Imelda Marcos's shoe collection. For you younger people, Google Imelda Marcos. Next, after you invest in your business, then invest in yourself. Okay? Brian Tracy talks about people. He says, all of his clients, he says he starts them at 3% and works them up to 10%. He goes, the more successful they become, the more he has them invest in themselves. Make it your greatest investment. Ben Franklin was America's first millionaire. He said an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Warren Buffett said the best investment you'll ever make is in yourself. If you've had a chance to watch the documentary on Warren Buffett, it's called Being Warren Buffett. Fascinating, fascinating thing. And this is a guy who's been given dozens of honorary doctorates and degrees and spoken to all these commencement addresses and yada, yada, graduated from Columbia University and all stuff. But in his office, there's only one piece of paper, as my mother calls it, right? There's only one graduation document that's framed on his wall. And it's a 12-week course he took with the Dale Carnegie course. And he spent money when he was a young man to take this course on how to make friends and influence people. He found the confidence and the courage to go ask his wife to marry him. And that was the only thing he has hanging on the wall. It was an investment in his self-development. And that's a fellow who goes, spend money on yourself. And so that's where we want to go. So what have we covered today? We covered the reason people don't budget. From the emotional part, to the know-how part, to the, just the difficulty of it. We talked about controlling our spending. And we talked about creating a surplus. And if we do that, you can be well on your way. Who the heck am I? I'm a house painter, fifth generation house painter from Dublin, who came to America with 92 bucks in his wallet and got into hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt with a motorcycle accident. And if I can start there and end up here, what can you guys do? Blow past what anything I've ever done. And it's there. And one of the beautiful things about when you do well economically is you get to give. And we're going to make a concentrated effort to give more and more, especially to our insiders. And so Dr. Goody, our producer, Mr. Dave Lally, has even more goodies for you and more things we want to give away to you as part of our 10%. Thanks, Brian. Great lessons on budgeting. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did here in the control room. We always love hearing from you guys, so keep the notes and reviews coming. Suzanne Green in South Windsor, Connecticut writes, Brian, I love the podcast. I tell everyone about them. I'm always listening and trying to implement just one more thing. 
Well, Suzanne, we hope you implement these great budgeting fundamentals. And if you're a Buffini insider, keep an eye out for the giveaways Brian mentioned, a worksheet to prioritize your expenses, and also a bonus audio clip from one of our live events. It's called Warren Buffett's Financial Tips. I hope you enjoy that. If you're not yet a Buffini Insider, visit com to sign up so you guys can also get those great bonus resources. And as we leave you here today, let me pass you over to the one and only Therese Buffini to close out the show. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.